You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up. And it's sponsored by the TD International Vancouver Jazz Festival.
welcome you to the final June edition of The Jazz Show. Oh no, this isn't the final edition for sure, but uh, yes, the month of June is almost over. And of course, tomorrow um, is a holiday, and it's Canada Day. So we'll all be saluting uh, the uh, wondrous pleasures of uh, living in one of the greatest countries in the world. And uh, I really believe that. Canada is, uh, is tops. And we're very, very lucky to uh, be living here, considering, uh, well, what's going on uh, in some other places, even some places that are fairly close to us. So we can all be thankful, and we should all be very grateful. Anyway, that's my um, little appreciation for uh, for Canada. June 30th is, uh, of course, uh, the end of uh, this great month, and uh, it is also uh, the last time we're going to mention that the sponsor for all of this month's uh, jazz programs, this one specifically, the sponsor is the TD International Jazz Festival. There's still one more day to go. It's a big day tomorrow. It's Canada Day celebration. Uh, there's all kinds of music all over the city. And, of course, it's all put together by the good folks at the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, the people that bring you the big TD International Jazz Festival. A lot of the major events are now history, and of course uh, we can count uh, some of the wonderful concerts uh, by resident musicians, by international musicians, and uh, of course musicians from all over the world that have made this festival one of the most important, if not the most important cultural event in Vancouver. And of course it'll all be happening again next year. But one more day to enjoy the Jazz Festival, and most of it is free. That's one of the beauties. There you go. There's a lot of free performances at the Jazz Festival, which is something that uh, happens every year. You can hear international, local, and um, artists from everywhere. All right. With that in mind, we'd like to... uh, Welcome you to The Jazz Show. My name is Gavin Walker. And our jazz feature, which is always um, on or shortly after, usually shortly after 11 o'clock, is a wonderful piano player by the name of St. Elmo Sylvester Hope. He was the only child of um, a hard-working West Indian couple who had moved to uh, Harlem. And, of course, uh, Elmo was born there on June the 27th, 1923, and passed away at a young age. He was only 43 when he died, died of uh, pulmonary pneumonia. But Elmo had a a number of health problems, of course, and uh, uh, I think his early demise was uh, exacerbated by, um, of course, um, an addiction that uh, affected a lot of uh, jazz musicians at the time. And Elmo was uh, a participant in that. So, however, this album that we're going to uh, listen to on the jazz feature is considered his masterpiece. It was done in Los Angeles February 8, 1959. 
and with a hand-picked trio that Elmo used, Jimmy Bond on bass and the great Frank Butler on drums, and it's a series of original compositions with one exception, there's one standard tune played, one that Elmo particularly likes, and this album came out on a, a label called Hi-Fi Jazz, and uh, when it was released, it got uh, an automatic five stars, and people just raved about this recording. Now, Elmo had been around for a long time. Uh, he spent rather four unhappy years on the West Coast. Uh, he had moved out of New York in 1956 uh, for a variety of reasons, moved to Los Angeles, uh, actually to better his health. He suffered from chronic asthma, and I, ca- I guess that was partially why he died so young, too. Um, and the for some reason, the, the weather in Los Angeles was better for him um, in terms of his asthma. But uh, other things remained in his life, uh, his, uh, his drug habit, all that sort of stuff. And uh, it was during his time on the West Coast that uh, I met Elmo. He spent some time here in Vancouver uh, with a band uh, led by the great tenor saxophonist Harold Land and uh, we got to know Elmo quite well. I was I was quite young at the time but I had some uh, interesting conversations with him and uh, it was great that he thought I was a pretty hip young man and I was I was impressed that he, he was impressed with me so I uh, um, I can't say that I knew Elmo well but uh, Every time he saw me, he always greeted me by name and, and shook my hand. And he had these, he was a little man. He was only, uh, he was just short of five feet. And um, he had these huge hands. And I remember shaking, the first time I shook hands with him, it was like shaking hands with a pillow. Uh, it, was, it was quite amazing. Elmo Hope is a magnificent piano player and composer. He grew up with Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk. Never got the recognition that Monk and Bud Powell got, and but Elmo's legacy is in the books. He is a great composer and a great original pianist. We're going to hear uh, his masterpiece album, recorded just before he uh, packed his bags and moved back to New York after his uh, foray in, on the West Coast in Los Angeles. So that's our jazz feature this evening. It's simply called the Elmo Hope Trio. That's the the name of the album. But we're not uh, uh, going to forget Elmo until the jazz features. As a matter of fact, I'm going to play some Elmo Hope music for you. Uh, Right now, this is an interesting date. This was recorded when he returned to New York after his time in Los Angeles. And we're going to hear three tunes from here. Oren Keepnews of Riverside Records saw the value and was very happy that Elmo had... come back to New York uh, to work and offered him this uh, record date. This and a few other record dates as well, but this was a very, this was very important because this was his first for Riverside, and Orrin Keepnews kind of gave him a carte blanche. What do you want to do? And Elmo said, well, I'd like to get a, a group together. One of my favorite uh, instrumental combinations is to have two tenor saxophones, a trumpet, and myself on piano, and a bass player and a drummer. And he said, I have all these people in mind. And Oren said, that's fine. Uh, you phone them, you hire them, um, do what you're going to do. 
perhaps we can combine the album with with uh, a group effort, the sextet effort, and maybe some tracks by just a trio. And Elmo agreed to that. The album was called Homecoming, and it really is a, a wonderful album. And uh, it, it got... Um, kind of put Elmo back on the New York map uh, as well, and the album, uh, the album got very, very good ratings in the jazz magazines as well. So we're going to hear the three of the uh, sextet tracks, and the people involved here, and these are all Elmo's choices, the great Blue Mitchell on trumpet, the two tenor saxophone players, they're, they're contrasting styles. Um, one of them is a, was a big favorite of Elmo's, and that, and that is the great uh, Frank Foster, is uh, one of the tenor saxophonists. And, of course, Frank was very gainfully employed at the time in the Count Basie Orchestra. The other saxophonist um, had just come back after uh, an absence on the scene, Jimmy Heath. And uh, so Elmo was very happy to reunite with Jimmy Heath. So these two contrasting tenor saxophone players are on here. Elmo, of course, on piano, Percy Heath on bass, and the great Philly Joe Jones on drums. That was Elmo's favorite rhythm section. We're going to hear three compositions. The first one was written for his young son uh, and from his first marriage. And the tune is called Mo Jr., the second tune is dedicated, I believe, to um, someone that he was very much in love with and married. Uh, they met in Los Angeles. That was one of the nice things that happened on his four years in Los Angeles. He met uh, his second wife, Bertha. And um, I believe that this tune was written for her, and it's called Eyes So Beautiful As Yours. That's tune number two. Then the third tune is probably dedicated to Bertha as well. Um, and it's, a, it's kind of a, a happy, lighter thing, and it's called A Kiss for My Love. So three great tunes by the wonderful composer, pianist, um, not neglected on this show, I'll tell you, Elmo Hope, from his fine album, Homecoming.
entitled Homecoming, and it was done for Riverside Records, produced by, of course, the redoubtable Orrin Keepness, and um, essentially this was a welcome mat for Elmo Hope. He had uh, returned to New York with a new wife and uh, some, well, <laughs> not to use a, a but uh, some hope for the future. And, uh, of course, uh, things, uh, things did work out for a while, and uh, although Elmo had not gotten rid of his, uh, his difficulties, and um, so there was uh, kind of on-and-off stuff, and then, of course, uh, on his unfortunate passing uh, in 1967 at age 43. But uh, this album stands as one of his uh, one of his finest, and is a very valuable document. And uh, we thank Mr. Keepnews for uh, allowing Elmo to pick the musicians and uh, take a little time to write some new material, which he did for uh, for this particular album. The people involved are the first soloist um, on tenor saxophone. There were two sa- uh, two tenor saxophonists. The first soloist was uh, Frank Foster. And he soloed on um, both uh, the first and third tune uh, that we heard first. And the second soloist was uh, Philadelphia-born Jimmy Heath on both of those tunes. Uh, The trumpet was played by the great Blue Mitchell. And, of course, uh, Elmo's favorite rhythm section, Percy Heath on bass and Philly Joe Jones on drums. And the compositions we heard on this album, uh, first one was dedicated to his son from his first marriage, and uh, it was called Mo Jr. And, uh, of course, that Mo was Elmo's nickname, too, uh, sort of short for his, uh, his, his name. And uh, 
Moore Jr. was his son. So that's the first tune. Second tune was a uh, beautiful ballad with Jimmy Heath playing the, uh, the uh, tenor saxophone lead on that one. And that was called Eyes So Beautiful As Yours. And the final tune was called A Kiss For My Love. All took place um, in New York, June the 22nd, 1961. And it was uh, part of uh, Elmo's album called Homecoming, Riverside Records. We're going to go back to uh, Elmo's early New York days for the next couple of tunes. This was before he left New York for the West Coast. And he, of course, had... uh, He was on... One of the reasons that Elmo isn't mentioned along with... uh, his two best friends, Bud Powell and Thelonious Monk, was that uh, Elmo was on the road uh, a lot of the time. Now, Monk and Bud were making recordings and were playing engagements uh, in New York City. Even even those, uh, those engagements may have been a little spotty, but uh, they were working, and, and they rose to prominence. And during those years, which was the late 40s, Elmo was on the road traveling with an R&B band. And uh, so he was out, kind of out of circulation on the New York scene. So when he did return to New York in the mid-50s in 1953, of course, he began recording fairly prolifically as a sideman and made his first recordings as a leader for uh, Blue Note Records. In um, all took place in about 1953. So... His recognition on the scene was a little uh, belated. And, of course, um, Elmo, uh, Elmo's piano stylings are influenced by both um, Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell, because uh, naturally growing up with those two gentlemen. Uh, I, but uh, he retains very definitely his own identity at the piano. And, of course, he made his mark with his compositions. Now, this is an album which came out, and this was, uh, I remember this album because this was the first time I was aware, I guess I had heard him on some Miles Davis recordings, but I became fully aware of John Coltrane, because John Coltrane is one of the participants on these next two selections we're going to hear. And this is an album that came out uh, in the mid-50s, and it was called Informal Jazz. And that's exactly what it was. Um, It was recorded for Prestige Records, and they were known for, uh, well, they didn't pay for rehearsals or anything like that. You were supposed to do that on your own, then come into the studio. Of course, it 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 rarely happened unless you were someone well-organized like Oliver Nelson and so on. Uh, Elmo... Uh, at this time, in, in early 1956, was beginning to run out of luck in New York. He had been busted a few times for drugs. He was on parole, and they took away his cabaret card. You had to have this uh, important document to be able to work in nightclubs at the time. And if you were convicted of any sort of a felony, um, possession of uh, drugs uh, or whatever, uh, they could take away that that card, which essentially took away your right to work. And of course, eventually um, it it was rescinded, uh, but not until years later, and a lot of musicians were victimized by this, 
Thelonious Monk was victimized by this. He couldn't work in New York, and and he wasn't um, he wasn't a full fledged uh, uh, druggie. Uh, someone had planted some stuff in his car, and and it was discovered. And Monk lost this cabaret card for many many years. This kind of thing. It was usually an arbitrary kind of decision. And anyway, Elmo's luck was uh, run out. His marriage had his first marriage had broken up. And um, he was constantly running around looking for money, of course, to support uh, his his habit. And uh, um, also, uh, he was being chased by um, um, narcs all the time, and and he couldn't work. Uh, he did do gigs sort of under the table, but uh, it was kind of scary. And he got caught a couple of times. And of course, being on parole. Uh, he was threatened and and so on. So his life became kind of kind of scary. And he also his health wasn't all all right good. Not necessarily because of drugs. He, he suffered from asthma, and um, the air in New York wasn't particularly good for for that. So poor Elmo was was kind of in a bind. And interestingly enough, he had a, a record date that was promised him by Bob Weinstock, uh, Prestige Records. Um, for a sextet with his favorite combination, the same combination we heard on the opening track. Two tenor saxophones, a trumpet, and a piano, bass, and drums. And um, Weinstock had promised him this date, and, and Elmo was in the process of uh, writing some original music for the date. But what happened was that uh, Elmo happened to be at home one time, the phone rang, Weinstock said, can you, uh, I want you to record uh, this Friday, and that was two days, Elmo had two days, he said, well, I haven't written anything, I, I, I haven't written any, any plans, it was supposed to happen later, so I have some time, and Weinstock says, no, I, uh, there's, there's a vacancy, I want you to bring in the guys that you want and just, uh, and just jam. And so that's what happened. Elmo wasn't going to turn down a record date. The money was good. And so that's what happened on this particular record date. They, they, all the guys that he wanted, um, but there was no real music for them to play. So they jammed for four tunes. The album was released, and it was called the Elmo Hope Sextet Informal Jazz. Later on, it was repackaged and called Two Tenors, uh, with Coltrane's picture on the cover, because he had become extremely prominent. So poor Elmo got kind of shafted a little bit on this date, but the music was good. And I this has sentimental value to me, because this was the first time I was aware of John Coltrane. So the people involved here, Donald Burt on trumpet, uh, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, John Coltrane on tenor saxophone, and they, they're, they're a great contrast. Mobley has a smooth, kind of flowing approach, and Coltrane's approach is, well, <laughs> like John Coltrane. It's, it's abrasive, it's nasal, uh, and it's forceful, and it stands out. Um, and that's what impressed me when I first heard it. Uh, I, I was completely knocked out, and I realized, wow, this, this Coltrane guy has got something happening here. Uh, <laughs> so... Um, those are the horns. And, of course, the rhythm section, Elmo Hope on, on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and, of course, the great Philly Joe Jones, once again, on drums. 
So there were four long tracks recorded on this album. We're going to hear two. The first one is uh, a riff uh, based on Charlie Parker's, uh, the chord progressions of Charlie Parker's confirmation. And it's, uh, it's just a riff that people play at jam sessions. Elmo Hope um, is credited with being composer of it, and it's called Ouija. And it's the hottest track on the album. The second tune is uh, uh, is a quick blues that uh, uh, the band put together right away. It's again credited to Elmo Hope. Uh, uh, it's just a straight-ahead blues, and it's called On It. And uh, those are the two tunes we're going to hear from this album, Informal Jazz, recorded in May of 1956, just before Elmo left for the West Coast, uh, soon after uh, recording this this date. So first. Ouija. Thank <laughs> you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
couple of tracks from an album that was uh, first issued under Elmo Hope's name, pianist Elmo Hope, called Informal Jazz, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, there was uh, no, no plans, and uh, it was simply, uh, as I mentioned before in the preamble, Elmo got a phone call about two days before the record date, and it was uh, do the record or forget it kind of uh, kind of thing and he had some plans for a record date in terms of uh, his own compositions and um, rehearsal and all this kind of stuff but uh, as it turned out he had to call all the guys and just say uh, we're going to jam jam and make a record and that's exactly what they did actually uh, the music um, on the album is quite acceptable um, more than acceptable and and uh, very typical of of the way um, musicians were playing in the mid fifties uh, without uh, any kind of rehearsal or planning or concept for uh, for an album just get in there and and, and play as the, as they would uh, at, at an informal gig at a club and uh, the record came off surprisingly well and it's uh, really interesting uh, as I said this album has uh, was later reissued unfortunately Elmo's name was kind of pushed in the background it was issued under Coltrane's name because he became prominent um, in, in 1956 a major player of course and uh, they put his name on it and called it Two Tenors because of the other uh, the contrast between himself and, and tenor saxophonist Hank Mobley but Elmo was the leader Elmo Hope was the leader and uh, he just called all the guys and suggested uh, what they do and that's what they did <laughs> they just played and uh, the results are surprisingly good um, for this kind of thing and uh, as I said, it's not a five-star record, but maybe a four-star record. And it has sentimental value for me because this was, uh, when I was a young man, this was the first time I was really conscious. Maybe it was the contrast between the smooth-flowing style of Hank Mobley, uh, who I was familiar with, and Coltrane's um, more aggressive, abrasive style uh, on the tenor saxophone. And Coltrane, for me, really stood out on this date. Um, and uh, I thought he's he's got something happening in his uh, in his playing. Uh, not that Hank was any kind of a slouch, but uh, Coltrane just had there was something extra in in his playing that I that I heard at the time. And of course, well, <laughs> John Coltrane became John Coltrane. Anyhow, the people involved here, um, the, as I mentioned, the the two tenor saxophonists, Hank Mobley with that more smoother legato approach, and Coltrane with his uh, rather nasal sound and more aggressive approach. Uh, great contrast on tenor saxophone. Donald Byrd on trumpet, Elmo Hope, the leader, on piano, with Paul Chambers on bass, and Elmo's favorite drummer, of course, Philly Joe Jones. We heard two things. The first one was uh, basically a riff uh, based on Charlie Parker's confirmation, and it's called Ouija. And uh, that kind of riff was played at uh, informal jam sessions. And the second tune was uh, a little blues that uh, everybody just got together and played, composed by Elmo called On It, was the, uh, was the second tune. 
So, there you go. A couple of examples from informal jazz. We'll be back in a few moments with um, some more music. Actually, we're going to go to Toronto for uh, the next uh, couple of tunes by a very interesting band of Canadian musicians. And we'll be back in right after this. Just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we'll see you in a minute. than a minute, right? Well, we usually tell you about the weather at this time, and of course, it's going to be very beautiful tomorrow. Canada Day. We're really going to have a, a gorgeous day. It's going to be probably the warmest day of the year, and it's going to be sunny. And um, tonight is clear, down to about 14, very comfortable. Tomorrow, sunny with a low 14, and highs between 25 and 30. There's tropical weather. Now, the rest of the week is kind of interesting. There's no um, precipitation in the forecast, but the rest of the week, the official forecasters are calling for a mix of sun and cloud, whatever that means. But it looks pretty pleasant, actually. And temperatures between, um, well, for the next uh, couple of days, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, uh, temperatures between 16 and 25. Then on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, is still a mix of sun and cloud, but a little bit cooler, with temperatures going down to about 14 and reaching a high of about 23. So that's all very pleasant. It's going to be pretty nice for the next, uh, next while. But tomorrow, I think, will be an exceptionally nice day. And uh, we deserve it because it's uh, Canada's birthday. And uh, there you go. So we're going to go to Toronto for this uh, recording session. Uh, It's led by uh, an American drummer, actually, who I got to know in San Francisco. A really nice man by the name, and he's a teacher as well, uh, teaches music, and and, uh, got into the, um, moved to uh, Toronto in in the 70s, and uh, became involved with uh, playing music there, and also teaching music uh, in the school system in in Toronto. His name is Pete Magadini, very fine drummer, and he put together this uh, marvelous album with uh, Don Menza, uh, the Red Baron. Yeah, Don Menza on tenor saxophone. Um, he's uh, Don, of course, at the time was living in, in Los Angeles and has played with everybody. Uh, great, great player. On piano, uh, an African-Canadian, one of the great uh, uh, pianists uh, who was lesser known and should be better known. His name was Ray Downs, passed away a few years ago. Very fine pianist. And a friend of mine on bass, who's been in Vancouver many times, Dave Young. And uh, 
that this particular quartet is going to do two tunes for you. The first one, we're going to open up with a beautiful tribute to the late, great Clifford Brown, written by Benny Golson. And, of course, it's his most famous composition called I Remember Clifford. And that opens uh, opens the two tune set that we're going to play. And the second tune was written by Miles Davis. And it's uh, actually one of the tunes from the Kind of Blue album. And uh, this band is going to do the tune called Freddy Freeloader. So here then is the Pete Magadini Quartet with, once again, Mr. Magadini on drums, Don Menza on tenor saxophone, Ray Downs on piano, and Dave Young on bass, recorded in Toronto in 1977.
fine album that uh, was recorded in Toronto in uh, the mid-70s, in 1977. And it's called Bones Blues, and it's uh, led by drummer Pete Magadini, who moved to uh, Canada. Very fine drummer. And I met Pete uh, back in San Francisco days uh, in the uh, 60s, and he was working with all kinds of people. Charlie Hayden, working with John Handy. And so a very fine musician and person as well, and uh, an excellent teacher. And, of course, as you heard, a very fine drummer. He picked um, some very fine people to do this date, including uh, the Red Baron on tenor saxophone, Don Menza, and... Ray Downs on piano, one of the um, great Canadian uh, pianists who is uh, not mentioned that often. Uh, people talk about, uh, of course, Oscar Peterson. People talk about Oliver Jones, um, two great uh, um, African-Canadian pianists. But uh, a lot of people forget about Ray Downs, and uh, he was uh, he's excellent as well, as we heard on this album. And my friend Dave Young on bass. And we heard two tones from this date, uh, both uh, jazz standards. The first one was Benny Golson's great tribute to the late lamented trumpeter Clifford Brown, who was tragically killed in that car crash. I remember Clifford. And uh, the second tune was written by Miles Davis for the Kind of Blue album. And, of course, that was Freddie Freeloader. Incidentally, Freddie Freeloader was a, a character that uh, hung around New York. And it was actually well-liked by uh, most of the musicians, but he hung around some of the jazz clubs and so on and so forth. And uh, someone gave him the name of uh, uh, Freddie Freeloader. I don't know what his real name was, but uh, uh, he wasn't someone who was disliked. <laughs> so that's why, I guess maybe that's why Miles... Uh, and Miles, you know, could be pretty... Um, uh, judgmental about people, but obviously he liked Freddie Freeloader because he named the tune for him. So there you go. So there must have been something there. All right, you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and this show is the final one in the month of June, of course. And it is the final one that is being sponsored by the TD International Jazz Festival. Because the festival winds up tomorrow, July 1st. And, of course, there's this huge event um, all over free shows uh, all over um, downtown uh, celebrating um, Canada Day. And so there'll be musicians playing uh, in all venues all over the place. So check it out. It's uh, And most of the shows are all free. So that's uh, that's a good part too. That's what, and that's one thing the Jazz Festival does. It, it does make uh, the music accessible for free to a lot of people so they can try out uh, different things. Jazz is not uh, heard a lot. Uh, it used to be, but not heard a lot on commercial radio or even television. It's kind of uh, almost become an underground music. So uh, uh, the Jazz Festival does its best to bring jazz to the forefront and give people a chance to to check it out and um, find out what uh, 
what the mystery is about jazz music and jazz musicians and the whole jazz culture. And uh, um, they do a very, very good job to, to bring that to the fore. So there you go. All right. All hats off to the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society that bring you the TD International Jazz Festival. And, of course, all our great sponsors, including the Toronto Dominion Bank, of course, their major sponsor. All right. With that in mind, we're going to pay tribute to another fine pianist whose birthday we we paid a lengthy tribute to and we're going to continue that of course on the jazz feature the music of Elmo Hope. Elmo was born on June the 27th 1923 and died May 19th 1967 at age 43. Um, Another pianist that we're going to pay tribute to right now is the late great Andrew Hill. He was born in Chicago this day in 1931 and died April 20th or 2007. Andrew Hill was one of the most important innovators of jazz piano in the 60s. Um, He came to the fore uh, as a sideman on Blue Note Records and Alfred Lyon took a liking to Andrew Hill and recorded him prolifically. Realized that Andrew Hill was kind of a new, for him, um, a new Thelonious Monk, because Alfred Lyon was the first person to record Thelonious Monk and respect Mr. Monk's music and uh, attempt to give Monk uh, an, an early um, opportunities in, in his career. Uh, he did the same thing for Andrew Hill. He took a liking to Andrew's music because it was different. Uh, Andrew was an original thinker and uh, someone who... Um, was tremendous uh, innovative um, abilities. So he was kind of the the mover for Alfred Lyon. He was the new Thelonious Monk. Uh, although Andrew's music is nothing like Monk's music, but uh, interestingly enough, Monk was a composer pianist. Andrew Hill was a composer pianist. Andrew was born of Haitian descent. He was very proud of that, and um, he, he kind of perpetrated the myth that he was born in Haiti, but he wasn't. He was born of Haitian parents in Chicago, and uh, that has been firmly established. Mr. Hill came up there and, of course, uh, gravitated to New York City, and as I said, um, this album called Black Fire was his first under his own name, and Lyon gave him the opportunity to begin recording his own music, and of course he recorded Andrew Hill at just about every opportunity. All of Andrew's music has now been, uh, is now available, but uh, because of the market and that sort of thing, uh, there were a lot of dates that were kind of, uh, that were held back, and um, it's quite amazing the amount of uh, unreleased Andrew Hill music Then it all came out during, uh, especially during the the heyday of CDs. And of course, it's all available now. Uh, Box sets, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, this is a classic album. Black Fire is the name of the album. It features uh, Andrew Hill compositions with Mr. Hill on piano, Joe Anderson on tenor saxophone, Richard Davis on bass, and the first drummer contracted for this was Philly Joe Jones. He made all the rehearsals for this date, but he wasn't. Un, he was unable, for whatever reason, I don't know, 
to make the recording session. And so Roy Haynes was called at the very last minute and came in and did the date right off the top of his head. And I've listened to this album ever since it first came out. I know every note on this album. I can't think of any other drummer than Roy Haynes who could bring this music alive. But I've often been curious how it would have sounded with Philly Joe Jones on drums. Anyway, we're going to hear two tunes from this album. The first tune is called Pumpkin, and the second tune is called Cantalos. Both compositions by Andrew Hill from his first album under his own name, Blackfire. Thank you. 
We're paying a small tribute to pianist, innovator Andrew Hill. And this uh, was from his first Blue Note album. Not his first album. His first album was done for a fairly obscure label, pretty hard to find, um, back in 1959. And it was recorded in Chicago before he uh, ventured to New York. But um, this was his first Blue Note album. And this is the one that really put him on the map. Uh, as as an artist and uh, became uh, um, a classic album uh, during this uh, uh, period of Blue Note Records when they were taking a little more um, adventurous uh, music and recording it by all kinds of people. And Andrew Hill was one of those people. And uh, uh, as I said, he was a particular favorite of Alfred Lyons. So this is, uh, we heard two tracks from this album, Blackfire. Joe Anderson was the tenor saxophonist, Andrew Hill, the leader on piano, Richard Davis on bass, and of course, Mr. Snap Crackle, Roy Haynes on drums. And two compositions, we heard Pumpkin and we heard Cantanos, both Andrew Hill creations. We're going to go to the, an album which uh, was recorded actually in 1964, not long after the Black Fire album, but not issued until um, 1968. And it's called simply Andrew. And it featured the legendary John Gilmore on tenor saxophone. Of course, Gilmore had been associated and was associated with the Sun Ra Orchestra and um, didn't do that many recordings outside of the Sun Ra circle because he was committed to uh, um, Sun Ra, of course. And, um, of course, uh, Andrew and John knew each other from their Chicago days, so I think there was a connection there. But uh, we hear the individual voice of uh, the great John Gilmore on tenor saxophone, Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, Andrew Hill on piano, Richard Davis once again on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. We're going to hear two tunes from this album called um, Andrew, and both, of course, Andrew Hill compositions. Um, the first one is called Duplicity, and the second one is called Le Serpent qui danse, which of course in English is uh, the serpent that dances. So, uh, two tunes. Andrew Hill. Thank you. 
tribute uh, to Andrew Hill uh, continues with uh, another couple of tracks from another album, and then we'll be getting into our jazz feature. But uh, from this album called Andrew, the most interesting date with um, the legendary John Gilmore on tenor saxophone, Bobby Hutcherson on vibes, Andrew Hill on piano, Richard Davis on bass, and Joe Chambers on drums. And we heard two um, interestingly convoluted Andrew Hill compositions. The first one was called Duplicity, and the second one was called Le Serpent qui danse. Translated, of course, the serpent who dances, or the snake who dances. And... um, from this album recorded in 1964. We're going to go to 1968 for our final two selections and a hand-picked band. This is from an album called Grassroots and uh, it was issued on Blue Note Records and some different people here with, uh, with Andrew. The great Lee Morgan on trumpet, on tenor saxophone, one of my all-time favorites, and he didn't record a lot of things with other people, um, except for his time with Mingus. Usually he recorded under his own name, but uh, I'm talking about Booker Irvin is on tenor saxophone here. Lou Morgan and Booker Irvin. Andrew Hill on piano, Ron Carter on bass, who is magnificent on these two tracks, and Freddie Waits, the late Freddie Waits on drums. We're going to hear two tunes from this album. We're going to hear... Grassroots, the title track first, and we're going to move to one, uh, my favorite track from the album to close the Andrew Hill tribute. It's called Bayou Red. Andrew Hill from Grassroots. Thank you. 
Chicago-born pianist-composer Andrew Hill, born in 1931, died in 2007. Interestingly enough, he was uh, supposed to come to Vancouver in 2007 to play at the festival, and he had taken seriously ill, and the gig never happened here, so uh, we never had a chance to hear Andrew Hill here in Vancouver. He was all set up to play, um, I believe it was at Christchurch Cathedral, and uh, he was to deliver a concert there, but uh, 
Unfortunately, it never happened. But uh, we have so many recordings of Andrew Hill's music and, and so many different kinds of recordings. And this is from an album um, done in 1968 for Blue Note Records, of course. He had his longest association with Blue Note, and then after he left, he recorded to, uh, with various uh, independent labels and um, has a very, very long legacy. But this is an album called Grassroots, and we heard uh, Andrew Hill with Lee Morgan on trumpet, Booker Irvin on tenor saxophone, uh, Mr. Hill on piano, Ron Carter on bass, and the late Freddie Waits on drums. And two compositions from this album. We heard the title track was the first tune, Grassroots, and the second tune was called Bayou Red, my favorite track from uh, this album. And we hope you enjoyed our small tribute to this great pianist, Andrew Hill, who was uh, born on this day in 1931 in Chicago, Illinois. Andrew Hill. You are listening to The Jazz Show. Our jazz features uh, coming up in uh, just a moment. And uh, my name is Gavin Walker, and this is The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Not much to tell you. A uh, couple of websites, of course. Is the First of all is the Coastal Jazz website coastaljazz.ca tomorrow is the last day of the jazz festival and of course all the major events are all over and I certainly hope that you uh, enjoyed this year's jazz festival there's all kinds of uh, Canada Day events that are sponsored by the jazz festival different people playing in different locations all over the place and uh, that is uh, will wrap up the Jazz Festival for another year. But there have been some great concerts here. Bobby McFerrin, uh, Christian McBride, Charles Lloyd, Cassandra Wilson, uh, Darcy James Argue and his uh, Secret Society Orchestra, and uh, uh, so many, um, too many to mention. But uh, a great website to get onto is the uh, website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, and that's coastaljazz.ca Another great website is Brian Nations, which of course is vancouverjazz.com and that's a very comprehensive website. You can check all kinds of things out on that one. All sorts of links. Spend a lot of time on there and it's always an interesting site. Both of them are, as a matter of fact. And just one more word about my friend Ken Speller, who is a Musical Instrument Repairman, specifically reed instruments. And if you're a pro, amateur, um, student, whatever, you need to keep your instrument in good shape. Just like a car, they need tuning up, they need repairs, that sort of thing. Sometimes they need a complete overhaul. Ken is very reasonably priced because he works out of his home. His workshop is set up there. Uh, You simply have to make an appointment with him. He's located in North Vancouver, 13th and Lonsdale area. Uh, you can call him on the phone, 778-800-1933, 778-800-1933, or get him on his uh, website. It's kspeller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. That's his email, kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. And Ken really knows what he's doing. He's an excellent musician himself, so he knows all uh, the little tricks of the trade that uh, 
have to be done to keep your instrument, whether it's a saxophone, clarinet, or flute, or uh, any other woodwind instrument, he knows how to keep them in shape. So check him out. All right, our jazz feature this evening is once again the music of Elmer Hope. And uh, this time, it was his last recording date on the West Coast uh, before leaving and heading back to his hometown of New York City. And um, there were three things that happened in Elmo's uh, four years on on the West Coast. Um, They were rather unhappy years. Uh, Gigs were a little spotty uh, and so on. He did have the respect of musicians, but he he complained about how excellent... um, he knew how excellent the musicians in, in, in Los Angeles were in terms of be, being able to read music off the paper and, and play it accurately and in tune and all that sort of stuff. But he also complained about the fact that they couldn't solo. And he said, we've got guys in New York that, that can't read at all, but they can hear. And, and, and sure, it takes them a long time to get my music together, but when, when they solo, they, they really dig in and understand what my music is about. And uh, that was his uh, a huge complaint, uh, with the exception of a few kindred spirits that Elmo managed to uh, record and hang out and, and, and work with. And... Um, but three major things happened to Elmo, happy events on during his years on the West Coast. Uh, one of them was recording a great album called The Fox under Harold Land's leadership. And of course, the great Harold Land tenor saxophonist was one of Elmo's favorite musicians and someone who worshipped Elmo Hope as well. And the second was meeting his second wife, who remained his wife until his death, Bertha. And um, she is a major voice on the piano. She is still alive today. She's an extremely beautiful woman. And she uh, she was married to Elmo for the remaining years of his life and bore him a, a couple of children as well. So that was a happy, uh, happy event. And the third happy event was this album. Elmo had planned and, and rehearsed all kinds of music for this album uh, before the record date took place, which was in uh, Hollywood, uh, February 8th, 1959. Uh, <laughs> what happened, of course, was when the, when the actual date rolled around, Elmo uh, showed up at the studio, the rest of the musicians did, and Elmo looked at him and he says, you know, all the stuff we rehearsed, we're not going to play any of it. None of it. I have some new ideas, and I've sketched them down for you. We're going to have to do the album off the top of our heads, and I know you guys can do it. And of course, the the two, uh, the bass, the bassist Jimmy Bond and the drummer Frank Butler looked at one another and said, "Oh shit, are you kidding?" But they did it, and this album is one of Elmo's best loved albums. It got five stars in Downbeat, the highest uh, rating Downbeat magazine, and praised uh, everywhere, and it's considered one of Elmo Hope's masterpieces. I'd just like to quote Harold Land about Elmo's gig here in Vancouver when he came with the Harold Land Quartet and played at the legendary Cellar. Harold Land recalls, of all the jobs we played, there's one that stands out in my mind. Elmo was at the jazz workshop in San Francisco with Sonny Rollins, 
Scott LaFaro, and Lenny McBrown. I went up there and took over the rhythm section from Sunny to work two weeks at the cellar in Vancouver. This is 1958. And I continue to quote, Elmo played some of the most fantastic piano I have ever heard. He really reached his peak at that point. And because of the obstacles in his personal life, a uh, few people had the chance to observe how really gifted he was. But I soon learned he had one of the quickest minds I have ever witnessed in action. As for composing, he could write great tunes just like the way you and I would sit down and write a letter. So that's, that's Harold Land's quote about Elmo Hope. And of course, recalling the uh, famous gig that he played here in Vancouver. And that was the time when I met him, and I was just a very young man at the time. All right, getting to our feature album. Once again, Elmo Hope on piano, Jimmy Bond on bass, and the great Frank Butler on drums. The tunes, there's eight of them on the album. They're all Elmo Hope compositions with the exception of one tune. I'll run down the titles. The first one is called Bees Aplenty. The second one is called Barfly. Elmo had interesting titles. This, the uh, track number three is called Eja. Track number four is called Boa. Track number five is an interesting tune called Something for Kenny. Then the only standard of the tune is a very slow version, played as a ballad of a beautiful tune called Like Someone in Love, written by Jimmy Van Heusen and Johnny Burke. Normally it's played as an up-tempo. Elmo chose to do it as a ballad. Uh, tune number seven, dedicated to his wife, is called Minor Bertha. And the final tune is a duet, be just without uh, the drums, between Elmo Hope and bassist Jimmy Bond. It's called Tranquility, wrapping up the date. So here goes the Elmo Hope Trio, recorded in Los Angeles, February 8th, 1959, our jazz feature album. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you. 
our jazz feature this evening. An album which originally came out on the independent Hi-Fi Jazz label and was later um, bought out by Contemporary Records and released there. And of course, it's available now on the um, Umbrella Original Jazz Classics. Uh, this is um, an album which is considered pianist Elmo Hope's masterpiece. And it was done shortly before he left his four years in Los Angeles. This was kind of a, a wrap-up of his four years. And uh, after four years of uh, L.A., he returned to his hometown of New York with a new wife and uh, some opportunities in the offing. But this particular album, interestingly enough, as I mentioned before, it was uh, he had rehearsed this trio uh, for a couple of weeks before going into the studio with uh, tunes all planned and all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, the day it was recorded, he uh, decided uh, he didn't want to do any of those tunes with, uh, w- with the two guys, and he had sketched some new material that he was just going to play, and they were going to play off the top of their heads. <laughs> and, uh, uh, it was pretty traumatic for the uh, for the other two guys. Elmo Hope, of course, knew what he was doing, but the other two guys were uh, pretty shaken up by this. But the whole date went down so beautiful, uh, beautifully smooth, and uh, uh, Elmo succeeded in recording uh, seven of his own compositions without uh, a whole lot of fuss and 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 rehearsal. And of course, uh, uh, as I said, the date is considered one of his masterpieces, and it is. Um, the tunes, the people involved here, Elmo Hope on piano, uh, Jimmy Bond on bass, and Frank Butler on drums. And this was all recorded in Los Angeles at Radio Recorder Studio B, February 8, 1959. And the tunes, uh, with the exception of one uh, standard, they're all Elmo Hope compositions. And uh, tune number one is called Bees of Plenty, Tune number two is entitled Barfly. Tune number three is called Eja. Tune number four is called Boa. Tune number five, with this fantastic drum solo by um, Frank Butler, was called Something for Kenny. Uh, Tune number six is the one standard on the album. Done as a ballad. Usually it's done as a medium tempo tune. Uh, Done as a ballad. That's the Van Heusen Burke great composition, standard tune called Like Someone in Love. Uh, then we followed that with a tune dedicated to Elmo's new wife at the time, Bertha, and it was called Minor Bertha. And the final tune was a duet between Elmo Hope and uh, bassist Jimmy Bond titled Tranquility. So that's the album, and that's the feature album. I certainly hope you enjoyed our tribute to this uh, great pianist who uh, grew up in New York City with Thelonious Monk and Bud Powell. And uh, they were all best of friends and used to play together. And Elmo reflects the influence of both of these gentlemen, but remains his firmly his own man. And um, Elmo Hope is... Uh, one of the more underappreciated uh, jazz musicians. And uh, his legacy is still very strong, and um, we hope you enjoyed his music. We played a lot of it this evening on the show. 
Thank you very much for... Oh, we have one more thing I'd like to play for you. A little change of pace to close the show. I almost forgot I was going to say goodnight, but I'm not going to say goodnight quite yet. We're going to listen to Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt, one of the great tenor saxophone tag team matches. Ammons takes the first solo, of course, uh, as he always did in this uh, uh, duet. This was recorded in 1971, and it's from an album called You Talk That Talk, and it features uh, Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt on tenor saxophones, George Freeman of the famous Freeman family from Chicago on guitar, uh, Leon Spencer on Hammond organ, and he composed the tune, and the great Idris Mohammed on drums. This is a groovy thing entitled You Talk That Talk, written by Leon Spencer. Uh, to take us out, and uh, Cohen, snapping your fingers, Stitt and Ammons, incomparable.
on tenor saxophone and Sonny Stead and of course Gene Ammons always soloed first and George Freeman on guitar Leon Spencer who composed that tune on organ and Idris Mohammed on drums and that was recorded at uh, Rudy Van Gelder's studio February 8th 1971 You Talk That Talk was the title of it and it's from an album of the same name by Ammons and Stitt, one of the great tenor saxophone tag team matches. We'd like to thank you very much for being out there this evening. And of course, it is now Canada Day, so happy birthday to Canada. And uh, what a great country we live in. And we should really, really never take this for granted. All right, with that in mind, a very good night. We'll see you in seven days' time. On behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and... CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer www.citr.ca See you in seven days. Bye-bye.
Thank you.